This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 569 with guest Dr. Brian Friedlander, recorded on April 13th, 2023. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.com studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. Spring is here, and we're loving it. And, of course, we post the show with some world-class show notes, and we'll have a few this week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Don't forget this episode affiliate sponsor is Nespresso. If you're tired of drinking terrible coffee, and, Brian, I'm sure... You don't drink terrible coffee, do you? I don't. I do not. Well, if you do, if you did, Nespresso is a way to get around it. Little pods, put it in the machine, hit the button, makes great coffee. We have one right downstairs. Do you? Of course. Oh, super good. You have to buy your own pods or do they they supply some pods? When you say downstairs, you mean you you have your own personally in my home? Yes. Yeah. 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 No, it's super good. It has really become the easy go-to to slow the, you know, throw the coffee cup in yeah. there, hit the button. Uh, if you don't have a machine, uh, check it out, Nespresso.com. Use code MQU328. I'll have that in the show notes as well. Cool. 40 bucks off your first machine, and they'll even ship wow. you a little container for the pods. Wow. So check that out today. It's always, it's always fun. I'm always surprised, Brian, at how many people are using Nespresso for their coffee it it's yeah. you know a little step up from a keurig keurig's fine yes. we've got a keurig yeah. at work but this is kind of a step up a step up and it's that. it's nice that they also have a recycling program too for yeah. the pods which is they cool. do yeah. yeah do you use the bags they they yes. we get a yep yes. ship it in free shipping yeah. on the on the pods i know in new york i think you just throw them in the recycle and they take care of them oh, okay for it across the river there for you yep. big thanks to aaron lawrence who joined us two weeks ago i took last week off <laughs> Plan to get my taxes in, and I still haven't done that. I need to, the tax man is calling, so I need to get those in. But big thanks to Aaron (laughs) Lawrence, who joined us two weeks ago. Lots of great information there. And, and of course, a big thanks to our Patreon subscribers. If you're finding value in the podcast and you want to give back, check out theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. And we've got a $5 plan if you want to jump in. I mentioned it before, but Brian is back, Dr. Brian Freelander. He was on the show a bunch back pre-pandemic and brian we just kind of lost track of you and you reached out the other day thanks for doing that good to have you back welcome back yeah thanks thanks for having me it's always fun always good to catch up with you let's catch up a little bit uh when we left you we were talking about things like pens and ipads and it was pre-pandemic what what have you been up to during that time well, I, I managed actually to stay fairly busy. I was teaching remote at, I teach at uh, St. Elizabeth University in Morristown, uh, New Jersey. And so, you know, all, you know, all my classes went um, remote, um, which, you know, I was pretty comfortable. I was still, I was doing a lot of that even pre-COVID. And um, I also was able to continue to consult. And I think what happened during COVID is I think, especially I work with students with both cognitive disabilities, learning disabilities, dyslexia, is that I think it was the first time that parents realized how dependent their, their, their children were and how much support they were really getting in the classroom. And so I was getting a lot of referrals, um, even during COVID, to try to find tools and strategies so that students could do more of the work um, independently uh, because, the, you know, their parents were home too and they were working from home and it was, it was hard for them to 
help their kids and, and do the work um, themselves. And so I kept, I, I did kept, I kept pretty busy, um, you know, trying to, you know, find supports, especially for the students that have both reading and writing, um, you know, you know, disabilities. But I was, I was also, it was kind of amazing too, uh, the, the amount of um, development um, that continued even during COVID in terms of the new, both software and hardware that came out during that time, you know, you would have thought things would have slowed down, but I think people were, you know, working remote and they were still continuing to develop, um, you know, lots of new applications um, yeah. uh, and, ser- and services. Do you think we're in a better spot today than we were? You know, I think about, you know, sometimes things don't change until you're forced to. Right. And as you were saying is like, then, you know, students went home and now parents had to deal with this. Like there's nothing that will change things like when parents actually have to. That is. <laughs> oh, that that's is the school's problem. Right? <laughs> that's the school's problem. Then all of a sudden it wasn't the school's problem. Do you think we're better off today? I mean, as you, as you look at the assistive tech landscape, did we make some progress during that time? Yeah, we we certainly uh, we certainly did. I mean, I think, you know, certainly some trends, you know, just, you know, we're always impacted by what's happening in the in the marketplace, too. But um, I think the big trend was, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning. And so for, you know, basic services that are built into Microsoft Word and Google Docs, like speech recognition, they call it voice typing. I mean, you know, years ago, um, I would have to work with a student for like an hour and a half with Dragon. And now, you you know, out of the box, you just speak and, you know, uh, you get the efficiency that, you know, one I could never have believed, you know, years ago you can get. Um, and then also a big trend is, you know, especially more so, I would say, high school, college is, you know, using audio for note taking purposes, whether still whether it's a digital pen but, you know, some of these new services like, you know, Otter, Otter AI, um, you know, for transcript, real time transcription are pretty incredible. And um, I, I, I've been using, you know, I use Otter AI sometimes. I started using this new tool called Fathom that connects to Zoom um, and or, you know, Google Teams or, uh, you know, even uh, Google Meetup. And what yesterday I was teaching and I, I, I tried it out. And, and at the end of the hour and a half, it produced with artificial intelligence a summary of the 90 minute lecture. You know, I mean, lecture discussion that I gave, which is pretty which is pretty amazing. It, yeah. it, really, it really is, you know. And so and it just keeps getting, you know, better and better in terms of its ability to understand the context. Um, uh, which is, which is pretty incredible. It is pretty incredible. We had Jay Franzi on oh, six weeks ago, maybe seven, right. talked a little bit about chat GPT and some of the things it's been doing. Right. But so while that's new in the, in to most folks in the public, that is not technology that uh, I should say that is technology has been being used for the last couple of years. Otter AI had, has a connection to that. Some of those other right. Jasper is another one that was using those in the, yeah. or, the open AI in the early right. days. Um, I've used Otter AI for a couple years to transcribe uh, the the you know if if folks need a transcript of Home Gadget Geeks, right? I'll drop that into I, I drop everything into right. Otter. Right. It gives me a couple. Uh, oh, I don't know, a year or so ago, it started giving me time stamp summaries. Yes. Of some of the things we were talking about, and it's pretty good at it. So yeah, it even for this show, if you go out to theaverageguy.tv/hgg. 
five, six, nine, you'll see afterwards. And I provide transcripts on demand if folks want them. I used to do them regular, right? I'd, I'd have them all the time and I didn't find anybody using them yet. So I just said, if you need them, I can get transcripts for you. That show summary has been great. When you think about though, one of the things I haven't done a lot of is the right. summary work and this chat GPT three, five and four yes. has been really good at summarization in the, in the assistive text space for yes. students. What's the benefit of that? Like to those students, it may be in a class. Is there some benefit to getting a summary afterwards? Yeah, I mean, I mean, some students do have difficulty sort of figuring out what are the most important parts of the lecture. And so that really encapsulates it. I mean, it's sort of, you know, growing up, we had cliff notes, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, so it's sort of the modern day sort of cliff notes in terms that highlights what are the most, you know, most important uh parts of, you know, the lecture. Um, and, and of course, too, then the students could take that, drop it into either Word or Google Docs, and then they could use text-to-speech to, um, you know, listen to it um, as well. So, I mean, there's definitely a, a lot of benefits. And, uh, you know, with the artificial intelligence, even the text-to-speech engines have gotten, you know, really fantastic to listen to. Years ago, I mean, I had, you know, both adults and students tell me, oh, I can't listen I can't listen to this. It's horrible, you know, and now you listen, you go, wow, that's really, that sounds close to, you know, human mm -hmm. as, as possible. So AI has made a, you know, a big impact on, you know, even the text to speech engines as well. You had mentioned, we were talking in the pre-show, you talked yeah. and you've, you've been, you've been doing some of your own yes. podcast and yes. then you using a tool to help with the editing and some of those, what, yes. what are you using for that? So I started to use a tool called Descript. And so what I did is um, I submitted about 30 minutes of um, reading a script to the service. And it, it generated uh, basically a text-to-speech engine of my voice. Um, so in order for me to create my podcast, because I do a fair amount of writing, I can now just copy and paste articles that or blog posts that I've uh, written, I paste it into Descript and then it does its work and I, it creates an MP3 file and it sounds just like me. Um, and I can I can vary the, the speed a little bit on the prosody. Um, and then from there, I take the MP3 and I drop it into Anchor and I schedule my podcast. You know, and these are short podcasts. We're talking about like two to five minutes. But the you know the workflow using this tool has allowed me to you know to, to add this to what I do. I mean, if I had to actually sit and audio record and then do the editing, yeah, it, yeah. It, you know I, I don't know that I could really you know um, really do it at this point in time. But um, so it is pretty incredible, and people are using Descript, um, you know, for ba basically creating videos with voiceovers, you know, mm -hmm. where they don't have to record, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, and I think for some folks, you think about YouTube, you're looking for a particular accent or you want to make sure it's clear. Maybe as a speaker, you don't, you have an accent or a, right. it, 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 it's it's not ideal. Right. I think in the early days of those, they sounded a little cheesy, a little mechanical. I think today you might have a hard time telling the difference between the two. I mean, sure, you can hear some, but it, that, that technology has gotten a lot better, don't you? Uh, a lot. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can pull. What's, while you're pulling that up, what's yeah. the name of your podcast and who's the target so, audience for it? Um, 
It's called Innovative Technology, and it, you can find it on um, pretty much any of the major um, podcasting services. Um, so here's, uh, let's see. So here's, let's see. If you can. Hi, this is Dr. Friedlander, and then in my podcast, Innovative Technology, I will take a look at the intersection of students with learning challenges and how technology can ameliorate these difficulties. With the background in school psychology and as an assistive technology consultant, I have a unique perspective. So that's that's it reading. That's not you. No. I mean, you recorded, but that's it reading your... Right. Your so, I mean, right. all I do is drop my text into it and it outputs yeah. that MP3 file. So yeah. uh, it makes yeah. it really... Uh, and the other part, too, is... You know, you know, you've been doing this a long time. I mean, there's never a time when, you know, you don't get an interruption. The the mailman rings the, you know, you're in the middle of recording. The mailman rings the bell, the dog barks. So here I don't have to worry about environmental sounds because all I'm doing is copying and pasting text into uh, into that application. And then it outputs what I needed to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Descript is the name of that. As podcasters, we've known yeah. about Descript for a long time. That okay. is not, yeah. it's, right. but I think in the last six months to a year, it's become right. an average guy, so to speak, tool. Right. Like just the way you're using that. I mean, there could be some real world applications where it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not that gifted of a speaker. I want right. to type it out in advance and mm-hmm. then I want it to play. Yeah. And wow, it's it's hard. I mean, yes. Although if you had played that and not told me totally. you were playing that. Right. 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 You know, a blind, a, a blind drink, as we would like to say, <laughs> could I really tell what kind of bourbon that was if you didn't tell me it was your voice? Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think uh, it, from a from a it, it also has the ability to add audio to it. Right. So you can record audio. It will transcribe it for you. Correct. As well, right. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. And are you using that for anything um, as well to go in the other way? No, I'm going the other way because I've, okay. you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, writing little articles and yeah. things of that sort. So it's been um, it's, you know, it's, it's just an interesting workflow. Um, and uh, and the only reason I could do it is because of, you know, the, you know, the, the, the steps and, and what they're, you know, what they're able to do in terms of creating my, uh, my voice. Does that take much processing power to, to, to do? Do you have to, did you feel like you had to have a higher end computer to do anything? I mean, I have a, a, a Surface Pro 8 here with 16 gigabytes of RAM. So I think it needs a little bit more RAM than maybe your average computer, but nothing, nothing great. I mean, this is not a, not a, yeah. a crazy, large uh, system here. No, I think uh, it is one of those things that you, you know, you can run, you need, you do need a little bit of hardware to yes. do it locally yeah. if you're going to yeah. do it, but, yeah. but can pull it off. We mentioned chat GPT and, and yeah. we've talked about it from uh, here on the show. We've talked about it from a content creation standpoint of right. how all, all the things that you can kind of do to, um, you know, to create content. It scared the bejesus out of the, the uh, education community when it first came out, like, Absolutely. oh, how are we going to do this? You know, like, how are we going to, students aren't going to write papers anymore. They, they actually haven't been writing papers, just to be honest. And That's then, true. That's <laughs> <right>? absolutely true. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, there's been other things going on. Anyways, okay, let's not, let's not, uh, yeah, okay. you know, the merits of that. In an, in, a, in an assistive tech space, as we're thinking about students that have that have disabilities or have right. learning disabilities. 
what kind of benefits do you see in it today and, and where might that grow in the future? How, because, you know, I think some math teachers probably complained about the calculator when it first came out. Students are never going to learn to add. And now we calculators are in every room. Do you see a day when, when, uh, when AI let's or chat GPT mm. becomes a helpful part of the, the education solution as opposed to being so feared? Oh, I mean, absolutely. And I think also from the standpoint of, um, you know, the, you know, the, the, even from the standpoint of being a teacher, I mean, I think it's pretty incredible. I mean, I think, like I said before, a lot of students, especially with reading disabilities, um, who have a challenging time, you know, reading text, I mean, not that we don't want them to read, but, um, you know, certainly summarization, the ability to summarize information is very, can be very, um, can be very important, as well as other applications, like there's a, um, an application which uses AI called um, Scholar C, which allows students to actually import um, PDF documents in, and then what it does is using AI, it will uh, pick up like, you know, key concepts, main ideas, um, also um, basically break down the article for you to access uh, and also show you, you know, um, maybe some other derivative work um, on that. So students can build their own, if they're doing research on a particular topic, they can import these and then use Scholar C, um, you know, before they start to write to begin to put the pieces together. And that uses AI to kind of pull out, summarize, uh, highlight the main ideas, concepts, and to show students how different articles and you know are related. So I think that that's going to be important. Um, also for you know writing, um, you know, uh, you know, for example, even today they can they can take what they've written and ask it, ask it to write it more succinct or check the grammar. So I think from a language-based learning model, I think it's going to be yeah, really right. huge. And I, I, from the teacher's standpoint, <clears throat> we've, you know, we talked about years of differentiated instruction. And so, you know, a teacher could ask ChatGPT to explain a concept of photosynthesis as if you were a second grader or a sixth grader or a high school student or a college student and really differentiate because in a classroom, you're going to have students that understand, you know, information and concepts at different levels. And then you could provide the students the content that's most appropriate um, for the level. Or you're a starting out teacher and, I don't know, your student, um, you know, is not handing in their homework. What's the best way to approach that? And so you could ask ChatGPT to write a letter, you know, as if you, you know, the teacher and you have a student and it, it's really... I tried it, and it, it's really fantastic because it, you know, it, it gives it gives the um, some back background information on the importance of homework, and then it, you know, it, it basically guides the teacher and tells them how the best way to communicate um, to the, you know, to the, you know, to the parents. So I think there's going to be lots of interesting ways, and I think it's not a lot of a lot of AI has been built in the background that educators might be unaware, especially in a lot of the tools that we've been using, even for the last couple of years, it just, you know, it's, it's been hidden. It's in the background, uh, whether it's like Grammarly, um, you know, I mean that they've been using AI, you know, Microsoft, you know, Microsoft spelling and checking and things of that sort. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, more, more companies or, you know, sort of, I mean, they're, they're marketing it, that they're using it, but they've been using some of that technology yeah, for, yeah. for years. I mean, everything from word prediction, which has been a, 
you know, a, a mainstay tool for us for students who have trouble with spelling. Um, you know, even back in the day, I was using programs like CoWriter that had really fantastic algorithms for students that, you know, spell phonetically, you know, so they were back, they were there, you know, back in the day and now they're only keep getting better and better because they understand the con, you know, the context, which is, mm. is really interesting. Yeah. I wrote two articles at the average right. one uh, called, uh, you know, how to make the most out of chat GPT for the average guy. And I right. wrote it with like, give me a simplistic idea of how the best ways to use chat GPT. Right. Then I said, okay, write that again, uh, but I want it for an advanced user. Like, right. what are some real tips and tricks? And then cite sources. Right. And that was something I hadn't done before where I asked it to cite sources. I think some people have knocked on ChatGPT for not right. having, like, where it's getting it from. And I said cite sources. And it was really, really interesting, the difference between the two articles. They're posted right now at TheAverageGuy.tv if you want right. to check them out. But, and they're linked to each other. So if you find one, you can find the other. Um. It, but it, it, it gave, um, uh, it gave me some sources and I went back and kind of checked them just to, you know, just to kind of make sure, but it's a really, really interesting, like when I'm using it to write, I almost put more work into it than, than I would have normal. Like, you know, I read through it make sure it's right. accurate doing some things. I change some stuff around. Right. I take stuff out that I know isn't right. Um, it's, it, I, I kind of have this question though. Do I need to write blog posts? And when ChatGPT gets so good, when AI gets so good that it knows the answer, do I need to write blog posts anymore that are informational? Right? I mean, because anyone could go to ChatGPT yeah. and get but, that same information, right? Do you think, or is there still a place for opinion? Yeah, in, in they, our writing? they won't. They won't. Most people are not as inquisitive. I think a lot of people are just not as inquisitive, or you know, or you even you know. Uh, want to experiment uh, even i mean undergrad even graduate students i think some of them are just don't they, they're not used to doing that i mean i think you and i are very geeky so we jump in a lot of people just stay on the sidelines or maybe are afraid of it or don't know what to do and so i think there's still a place for it i think you know i think you i think the right formula is seeing what it gives and then filling it in checking it and adding your you know adding your piece yeah, do it. yeah. Let, letting it do the heavy lifting of some things that are right. normal. Hey, I want to spend some time. I wrote a couple articles about solo stoves. I was thinking about purchasing one of those. Right. And so I did a bunch of research around the solo stove. And then I thought, well, let me just have it write a post for that. Right. And so right. it did some things and then I added some piece in it. And of course, we're still not to the point where AI is really giving us an opinion. In fact, if you try to get an opinion out of it, it will be pretty emphatic. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't really. Do yeah, I mean, that. if if I would if I would you know sort of give a scenario of the you know you have a student in high school who's got a reading disability, what's the best software yeah. for X, Y, and Z? Yeah. And it'll it'll give me something generic like you really know to you need to know the learning style, the preferences, the task, you know that that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. 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 And it doesn't have the personal experience. Like it right. doesn't, it's not able to, and I think it lacks an area of, of passion and empathy and some yes. of those kinds of things. Right. So yeah. it's pretty, pretty easy to, pretty easy to pick those out. But I, like I said before, I think like it's a word calculator, right? I mean, I Absolutely. think it is a great way and as a tool. Um, I'm sure you'll continue anything in the future that you're, as you look out ahead over the next couple of years, anything it's not doing yet, that you you might hope it would do or that you're looking forward to? Hmm. 
That's a good, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, Chat GPT yeah. would have the answer, by the way. By you, now, you think, it would be typing. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit, a little bit uh, more. But I think we were talking about how could it factor in our own personal experience? Right, right. And I think that might be, you know, it'd be great to be able to, like, if you and I'd be able to download our knowledge into a, into a black box that then you could layer another layer to Chat GPT that could then, you know, do some heavy lifting and but then personalize it based mm. on our own experiences you know where you can yeah yeah almost where you have your own large language model right yeah. built on you yes and then it interacts with the larger large language model that right. so like so that you can i don't want to tell it all the time you know i, I want to teach that thing about me right you know what what have i said or, what know, do or, i know right or, or if you had a personal experience based on what you do or what I do, what what's happening in the larger world in relationship to that. Yeah. yeah. You know, that would be, yeah. I think, pretty fantastic. We could just uh we'll just submit our, our hard disk drives to Microsoft and Apple and you know uh, well I did I did a little I did a little checking. I was like, can I could I download or could I start my own large language model? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, is there an it's open. Right. In theory, now right. you know it's getting less and less open. Right. <laughs> but you know, that that thought was could I, you know, how could I load, how could I pre-train it for me? Right. And still take advantage of all the great information that's out there. Right. But I've said a lot of things. I've uh, it could know a lot about me. It does know some things. I've gone out and and you know, chatted right. about, hey, do you know Jim Collison? And it'll say, yeah, Jim Collison's the host of Home Gadget Geeks. So, <laughs> you know, and I could, I in an instant, I could right. tell it instance, I could tell it, Jim, my top five, my Clifton Strengths top five are this, and right. it would remember that in the conversation. I right. wanted to remember that all the time, so right. that I right, right? Yeah. so I only have to tell it that once. I think, I think we'll we'll probably see something like that. I don't know how soon, but I think at some point we'll be able to feed well, in those things that maybe that's too scary for people to have their own know. to know like i said all those stupid things <laughs> erase them how do i erase it that's right the the that's, uh, a, that's another company you see that's right to be bad. forgotten right right to be forgotten <laughs> in, in that case okay so besides that as we think about uh, some of those things that have come out and those have been real recently on the gadget side of things you you were always great at bringing some yeah. gadgets kind of on and talking about it what's anything well, working yeah, right now of course is of course it's new stuff so i i would i would say that um so this 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 is probably one of the most innovative pieces of um technology to come out for students with reading disabilities and uh, it's called orcam read it was developed by um Orcam in Israel. So basically what this is, is basically um, a camera that could take a picture of a, sc a screen version nine is ready. or text. So what I'm going to do is going to open, it's going to point it at this point at the book. Oh, 
I'll stop it there. But the it dog, just the dog is separate, not yeah, part the of the dog is I'm gonna my wife just <laughs> no worries. That just perfect it was perfect, Brian. It was perfect timing on the dog. You click the, the, the book button and then the dog started talking. Yeah, of course. Um, so that can read as you saw it, it this because of the size of this book, um, it took both picture of both pages at the same time and then it starts to read no internet connectivity is needed it also supports um a physical headset or you can put you you can use bluetooth um you know airpods or any you know any any other bluetooth tell, tell me the name of that again what was it again uh, or cam read o-r-c-a-m read mm-hmm. and so it's you're finding so for students that have reading disabilities or yeah so that's and, that's really, it was designed for students with dyslexia, especially I would say the high school college level is ideal, but I, I did work with this with a student um, in middle school with, um, he had, you know, he had, uh, low vision, visual impairment. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him, it's great. And it could also read, you know, if you had a, um, a, a Microsoft, you know, a PowerPoint or a Google slide on your screen, it could actually take a picture of the, mm. you know, your monitor and read it or even like a poster or something that's on yeah. the wall. Yeah. Um, um, they actually had developed this for individuals who were visually impaired um, called my eyes, which had more features for the visually impaired. And they, they just pulled out the features that were most important for students with reading disabilities. Um, so it, it's a really, I mean, So 25 years ago, I met Ray Kurzweil, who came out with the Kurzweil reading machine, which at the time was really nothing more than a. a We maybe get you back here in just a second. Hold on. We you, you froze up there. Start again for me. Okay, so about 25 years ago, I met Ray Kurzweil, who was an engineer, and he developed the um, Kurzweil reading machine, which was nothing more than basically a sophisticated copier, copy machine Mm -hmm. that could do optical character recognition. Mm -hmm. And then he was was at a conference and he wanted to show a portable device and he took a Nokia phone and a Canon digital camera and literally had duct tape, a real Rube Goldberg. (laughs) And he took the picture with the Canon and then yeah. the Nokia phone read it. And so when you, you know, you get to something that's this size, it's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty incredible. I mean, yeah. And that's like for our audio folks, it's, it's maybe, maybe mm, or maybe four inches. Yeah. Maybe four yeah. inches. The size of a M.2 drive, maybe a little bit bigger than yeah, that. For, yeah. Yeah. For some, and it's a little actually, thicker. it's got a, you know, it's, it's got, you know, it's got a camera and it also has a laser um, built in as well. Mm-hmm. And then also there was a lot of these kinds of um, devices. So that basically, let me just do it this way. This is scan marker reader. It's a portable handheld uh, scanner. And this particular model uses actually AI in the cloud to do OCR. So you basically scan text from a book um, into a web-based app or your Android phone or your, you know, or an iPhone. And then it has text to speech and also translational uh, services as well. So there's a big, big market 
for these kinds of handheld, very portable devices that can give students reading disabilities um, access to text. Um, what, which is what's the retail on those? I mean, what, what am I going to spend on something like that? So the OrCam Read uh, is the, uh, the premier is, uh, I think it's $1,995. Oh, wow. Okay. And this is somewhere around 200 And then the other, there's another company that has, so this, this is the C-Pen Reader. This one has a small LED um, display so that everything's happening on the device um, itself. So a lot of these kinds of devices. And then there's a lot of companies in China that are building Android-based devices with touchscreen technology that look something similar to this, a little bit bigger footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the whole idea of portability and the, the fact that they can, you know, basically, you know, house OCR, you know, right in, in this device you know, uh, which is using artificial intelligence. Um, I, I remember getting scanners, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Right. And uh, OCR has been around a long time. Yeah. Right. As far as technology, it was in the early days, a little sketchy on what it could, couldn't do. You know, resolution wasn't as good. Right. I'm assuming now the technology has gotten so good from both an optics, right? Cell phones yes. have yes. changed the way that we, we've done, we do optics. And then of course, the chips inside those things are infinitely faster than. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's incredible. And also even, you know, even with a device like this, the, even the, um, the, the text to speech engine is quite, it quite, it's quite good. Um, Mm -hmm. So with that C pen reader, same thing, you're taking the picture of a page and then it's reading it back to you. So this one, this one is your, like a highlight, you're scanning, you're scanning the text. Scanning it. Got it. Yeah. 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 So the or the benefit of the OrCam, it could take either a page or two pages, depending upon the size and uh, doing the OCR. I mean, on the literally, you heard that it's, it's on the fly. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's you know, it's no really no processing time. So tremendous horsepower um, in that particular little tiny way. chip. Yeah, little tiny, little tiny uh, chip. Uh, multi language support on those. Are we seeing any that are doing it more than just in English? Yeah, I mean, so this will. I mean, you can. Well, you, I know you can scan this in English, and then the app supports, I think, over over eighty different languages. Um, mm. So you could have English. So for like ELL in the schools, this can be really helpful because you could have English on one side, Portuguese or Spanish, and because of you know AI and because of the way this particular one works with uh, being cloud based, you get high quality translational text-to-speech engine so you, you know when you're when you're doing spanish you'll it'll sound spanish because the speech engine is spanish yeah. or portuguese or french or mandarin or chinese you know um which is really which is yeah. really great yeah. yeah so um yeah so i mean ai has made a big difference being able to do ocr in the cloud text-to-speech in the cloud it's pretty uh, pretty incredible. Pretty I've incredible. been spending a lot of time. I use Microsoft Translator on my phone. Right. I feed right. the podcasts into the phone and it can transcribe it in, right. in English or it'll transcribe it. We use it for Chinese or we use it for Mandarin or right. we use it for Spanish, all the Portuguese, right. all the languages we use. We do podcasting at Gallup. Um, one of the things I think there's an opportunity on is the, re- you know, it's really good at, at transcribing, but the the instant translations are still struggling 
and mm-hmm. and they're they're okay enough that I can understand right. enough, right? That I can ask questions, but I do think as we get into these these larger, more or more faster, let's there my English is really poor, right. yeah. faster large language models. I think we get an opportunity for AI to have an impact on those translations as well that are coming out because oftentimes they're just kind of awful. I mean, they're just, they're sketchy and not, you know, they, they're using the wrong words or they're not using the right context or, and I, I, I still think we've got some opportunities there for AI to help in that. And I know it's instant, but you're showing me a device that you're holding in your hand and you're, snapping a picture of a yes. page and it's reading instantly to you yes. like yes we I, I just think over the next 10 years we got to get better at that instant translation as well don't you think a- absolutely absolutely yeah. Uh, yeah between you know the ai and you know just the, the 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 powerful chips that are coming up it's you know it's pretty uh pretty amazing yeah know? yeah i i'm finding so for me in this area of translations mm-hmm is I'm finding context matters. So I, I have the advantage when we're having a conversation, right? when I'm recording a conversation, I know what they're talking about mm-hmm. because I have the context of Clifton strengths, and then right. that rolls up to strengths and it's probably going to be about something in the workplace. And so I can, I can, that gives me some ability to limit down mm-hmm. what, even though the words are a little garbage. Right. I, read it, I read it like the matrix, you know, I kind of read down, right. not right. word for word. Right. I'm trying to get concepts. I'm kind of wondering if we couldn't like when we're writing something for chat GPT and we give it some context, yeah. I want it to be for advanced readers or I want it to be for a second grader. Right. Uh, I want you to stay in the realm. Like I want you to write it like uh Shakespeare. Yeah, right. you could do that. You right? could yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. But we're get, what we're doing is we're giving it context. Yes. And I'm kind of wondering in translations if we could do a better job of helping the translator by giving it some context. So it knows, as an example, the word for coach in Spanish mm-hmm. can sometimes be translated like car. So when it's coming when it's coming back to me, oftentimes, and one of my host's name is Blanca. Her name means white. White. Right? Yes. Right. So when it's translating it, it always translates it the most common, which is white. But that's it's Blanca. That's her name. It doesn't have enough context, right? Correct. And I and I think we we've got to get better at giving it some situational awareness. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, you know, maybe we, you know, maybe there's some way to sort of give it those parameters at the beginning so that then it has the context yeah. to do yeah. what, we, what we need. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a, I'm doing a podcast uh, and it, this is like, we've solved this for right now, right? <laughs> I'm doing a pod, I'm doing a tech. So tonight I'm right. doing a tech podcast with Dr. Brian Friedlander about, um, you know, about assistive tech. Mm-hmm. And so that context, if it could go out and say, okay, Oh, I know who Brian Friedlander is. Right. He's done these things. Right. Right. I know assistive tech. Okay. So I'm going to need to narrow some things down. Oh, it's a tech podcast. So they're going to be talking. I mean, think about all the context we just gave the translator at that case. Right, right. It wouldn't have to work as hard to right. get the words right. right? Yeah, and, and especially if, you know, if I, you know, use something or Cam Reed, it would go, oh, I, I'm familiar with, you know, I'm familiar with that. So it doesn't spell it like O-R-E-K-A, you know, I mean, like, you know, that that's the kind of thing. that. Yeah, uh, no. Well, and I think about the otter, um, you know, otter can do voice recognition. Right. And so it knows the difference between you most of the time. 
between yeah, you and me. Right. Well, what if I could add it not only knew who you were, but what you have done. Right. 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 And so right. this is where that personal large language model kind of kicks in, right? Yeah. And also maybe even the summarization because it could add additional value if it understands, um, you know, the, the context. So, yeah. 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 So. I just kind of wonder how that could, how in the future, maybe that could help us get it, get it even more accurate. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just, I mean, other, you know, gadgets. So, I mean, I continue to use digital, um, digital pen. So this is, this is actually a new one um, from a, it's a, it's a Neo smart pen, the A1. And this actually is a first pen. They finally came out with the USB-C um, charging port. Mm. It actually uses uh, gel ink. So it's a really nice, writing experience and in terms of ai too i mean handwrite just handwriting recognition has gotten a lot better too so i can you know i can write on a you know in a notebook and transcribe it and then use that you know in an article or, or edit it in a word processor or i could even, learn does it learn your writing at all can you give it some hints and no nah, of- i don't think it's there yet or i mean the other thing too if if i want let me just get this hard to do here um i have the pen and this is the um this is the this is an audio recorder i can actually pair with bluetooth these two devices and then i can timestamp when i've taken the notes and it will basically queue up the audio at that point in time so you could have college students using these two um these two tools you know together which is which is nice. Um, you know, so I mean, it's lo- I mean, lots of possibilities. The big, I mean, the biggest issue is still comes down to getting the information to the educators, the end user, the students to know that these things are available to them and then actually get, you know, giving them the opportunities to try them out. Um, and, and, you know, before they, before they actually get, get on campus, especially for college students, um, that's the, the challenge is getting them really ready and prepared because a lot of students um, through high school tend to get a lot of both accommodations and modifications. And sometimes they don't realize how much both parents and educators are doing to support them. And then they get off to college and they go, Oh my God, I got to read like, you know, like uh, six chapters a night. And it's like, if you have a reading disability, even if you've made a lot of progress in your reading, most of the students I've seen are still, their fluency is probably at the 10th percentile and they just can't, they, they can't keep up with the, just the amount of reading. So they really need to learn to use some of these tools for reading and also note, I mean, note taking um, as well, but they have to find the comfort level and, um, and, you know, their tool of choice that makes sense for them. Yeah. Yeah, My, my reading comprehension is off the charts, the other direction. <laughs> and I always struggled with reading. I mean, I can do it. And there were, right. there peri- there's periods of time when I, when I read a lot and I right. got better at it. Right. It's not my favorite thing to do. Right. So I don't, I don't right. lean towards it. Um, when I found podcasting in, in my older years, right. I found I'm, I'm a, I'm a listener. Like I right. can listen at high speed yep. and maintain a lot. Mike Weger, you know, Mike, he was, yes. he was yep. on here for a lot of yep. years. Mike went through law school by having 
by putting PDFs in a reader. I remember that. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah and so and um, all the current research shows that the it's the same the same centers in the brain are being lit up whether you listen to the content or whether you use your eyes. So there's really no difference. So we place tremendous value on uh, sort of uh, you know the, the reading component versus the listening component, but. Yeah. It's yeah, not, yeah. it's not really, the case. I, I wish I had had some of those when I was going through college. I yeah. listen, I did benefit word processors came out. I was a terrible writer as well. Right. right. And word processors came out. I, I couldn't type, but as we started in the, you know, when I was in college in the early nineties, mm-hmm. we were just on the, on the cusp of PCs. Mm-hmm. They were just starting to come out and then, um, and they were still pretty expensive. And I bought a brother word processor that had a six line, um, you know, characters that were six lines of uh, LCD screen that at least allowed me to, to type papers in a way I've never done before. Right. I waited six years to go to college because I was in the military. Right. Thank God I waited. Like I would have wasted so much money at going to college and, and struggling to write yeah. Yeah. until I got some of this technology. I mean, now I write so much better, but I write with help. Yeah. And so I'm a better writer. And and some other, you know, some other tools since we last spoke were the, um, these e-ink devices. This is the remarkable two and it uses the same displays if you use a Kindle. Um, so it got tremendous battery life. Um, this has handwriting, um, recognition. Uh, you can import PDFs. Um, and the nice part of, of a tool like this is it's distraction free. There's no, you're not connected to the web. Um, no notifications. Um, it lets you organize your notes. So if your handwriting is good, you like to take notes, but you're you know you're you, you're you have difficulty organizing paper. This could be a really great um, you know great tool. And they just added the ability to um, actually intermingle both handwriting and also uh, use a keyboard. So there's a there's a keyboard. Somewhere. Remarkable is that one? Remarkable. The remarkable. The ink too. Yeah. Remarkable too. Yeah. So let me see if I can get this. While you're doing that, Brian says, excellent point. Many students with uh, IEPs are more hesitant with the college opportunities right. due to the perceived uncertainty of the accommodation slash modification. Yeah, so this, so you can see you can also uh, use both a keyboard as well as, you know, handwrite. So that's, a, that's, a, that's new. This just recently, um, you know, came What's, out. What does that retail for? It's it, you're looking about probably five five hundred and fifty dollars, um, and then the um, I mean it's it's been it's been great. Um, Amazon came out with uh, a couple of months ago their their rendition of um, let me just turn this on. So this is the uh, this is oops. let me just Amazon. This is called the Amazon um, Scribe, and uh, this is also e-ink. This one also will probably run you four or five hundred dollars. Um, mm-hmm. Same same idea. Um, endless, you know, e-ink pages. You can organize. You can also read your Kindle books. It's a little heavy. I mean, it is honestly a little heavy. This has also um, some backlighting, which is great. But there are a number of other companies that you know sell these e-ink devices that are great for 
organizing, tagging, finding your notes, things of that sort. Uh, Brian, do you find in the, in that to me, that seems like more of the average student yeah. kind of, but yeah. are there assistive tech uh, opportunities there with some of those e-ink um, note takers that help students with disabilities? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, I, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't see too many students, but I think it's definitely uh, a possibility for students instead of, you know, carrying around, you know, phys, you know, notebooks, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense, especially for, um, for, you know, for, for students that, you know, have, um, a t- you know, attention deficit disorder or executive functioning disorders where, you know, they, they have trouble organizing or losing paper, um, at least here, um, they don't have the opportunity to do that, which, um, which, which is, you know, do you think in the, Hey, in the learning space, you know, we think about now, we just, yeah. we talked about this AI, these AI capabilities to summarize, to help take some of the notes. If I'm, if I'm a student with some disabilities and, and in the moment, I'm not best in the moment of taking right. notes, well, but I, but I'm sitting in a lecture right. and I turn my phone on and yeah. say, Hey, I want to record this and then take all that information back and process it. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm going to, it's going to transcribe it for me. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, to me, it seemed like there may be some resistance to that in the learning space, just because professors don't want rec- their recorded lectures. Right. I mean, can you talk, is that, yeah, sure. how, how does um, that work in the space? So, I mean, you know, t- I mean, typically students who have, um, you know, disabilities um, and um, have approved accommodations, that would be an accommodation that okay. we'd write into their, their plan, you know, generally it's not too much of an issue at the high, at the college level. Um, I, I've gotten a lot of pushback in the public schools because teachers don't want to be recorded in the classroom. But at the college level, as an accommodation, that should not be an issue. And as a matter of fact, a lot of larger colleges, universities, they have um, university licenses for like Otter AI or Glean or other recording technologies that they will then give those licenses to students so that they can do what you're saying is they can process um, the lecture. I mean, you know, whether you have an Android phone or an iPhone, you can come in and, you know, just record and then drop it into Otter or, you know, I mean, even Otter has an app for iPhone and Android um, and a lot of the other um, transcription services also have apps that you can go in with your iPhone or iPad and Mm -hmm. record and do it in real time. So it's generally not an issue for when a student has an accommodation plan and, and it's approved by the university or college. Okay. And then typically what happens is the professor signs off that they're aware that the student is recording because of their disability. And so um, there's an understanding that, you know, how it's to be used and what it's to be used for. Yeah. You know, you kind of wonder, uh, I just feel that Fielded? Yeah, I just fielded an email today from someone asking about accessibility options. They found some PDFs that we had on our site that right. were not accessible. And yeah, you can create PDFs that aren't that that aren't necessarily that friendly right. to, to readers, right? And and of course, we immediately I I contacted our accessibility team and they're like, right. oh, we're all over this. <laughs> like we'll, we'll, we'll have, this, have this fixed in two days. Like kind of deal. Like they, they, of course we want, we want everything, you know, we, we, we can't catch everything, but it was caught for us. Right. right, right. I kind of wonder in, you know, you've been in this space a long time. I, I kind of wonder if the new era of education, instead of thinking that all everything comes through a lecture 
or everything comes through a lab to think like, what if we taught with accessibility first? In other words, I'm creating the content in a way that's accessible by everybody. Right. So, and then I'm, I may build around that accessibility. So every lesson that I have mm -hmm. is already transcripted, is already summarized, is already right. Yes. And so, so the, the, the learning opportunity for the students in the classroom then becomes more about question and answer, or maybe becomes more about understanding than, than necessarily. I mean, so it's almost like the lecture is a podcast, right? And then the, um, the rest of it comes uh, built right. around the accessibility options. I don't know. Yeah. You're seeing any of that happening in the ed space? So, I mean, some, I mean, there's a whole, you know, practice of universal design for learning, which has that your perspective of putting uh, theory into practice by considering the learning needs of everyone in, you know, in your class ahead of time. So you're building all those accessible, you know, um, learning opportunities into your lesson plans from the beginning. But, you know, Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, a lot of a lot of colleges have gotten into some hot water because professors may have created their own YouTube videos, put it up on a learning management system, and there was no closed captioning. You know, I mean that that you know, or they weren't using all text. You know, and so sometimes, um, you know, sometimes faculty who are not techie are unaware of first of all, what is required by law. And then the second part is how do I go about doing it? You know, and I think yeah. that's, uh, that's, yeah. that's the, yeah. that's the tough part. I mean, because you have content, um, you know, content experts who are not technology experts, you know, they, they know what they, in their field. Um, but then, you know, right now, you know, a lot of them are now, you know, especially during COVID were forced to do things online. I mean, I was the interim accessibility coordinator for my university for about six, seven months while they were hiring a full-time person. And we have, you know, we, we have some students who had visual impairment and the faculty member created a PDF, but it was a bitmap PDF. It wasn't, you know, I mean, and it, you know, she thought she was doing what she had to do. Right. She, and then she gave it to the student and put it on the LMS and the student comes back to her and says, I can't, my screen reader can't read it, you know? And so she gave it to me and I OCR'd it, you know, but again, it wasn't, she didn't understand right. the difference between different types of PDFs, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, or any other part too, she didn't have the tools, you know, I mean, you know, not everyone has the tools to, to do it. So, mm -hmm. so we mm -hmm. have a lot, you know, still have a lot of teaching to do. And, and, you know, I've been in the field a long time and there's still even Teachers who are coming out today, young teachers, are unaware of a lot of these uh, tools and strategies to help students with uh, disabilities. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Another great job for uh, AI, right? Hey, I have this content. <laughs> yeah. Make it accessible. Because really, at the end of the day, those are just tools, right? Right. And yeah. the AI should know all the different ways. Okay, yeah. here's all the things and, I need to do. To yeah, and, um, you know, Microsoft has done a great job of, you know, basically embedding those, uh, you know, those accessibility, um, you know, um, I guess, wizards that will go through your PowerPoint. It will go through your documents and it'll say, hey you missed, um, you know, you missed tagging this image or, and now in many cases, they'll look at the image with AI and say, oh, that's a, 
that's a baseball. I'm going to, I'm going to tag it for you, you know? And, and so I think that's, again, if faculty or teachers know that there's tools embedded to help them, that can be, uh, you know, uh, you know, or something that can automate the process that can be, that can be huge. That can be yeah. huge. No, I think it's a it's a particularly good area for AI to with both the language recognition and like you said, with the with the uh, object or image recognition to be able to say, right, okay, this is what we think it is in the absence of a human to do it on the spot. That may be an opportunity for AI to pick up on that. Right? Yeah, there's there's an app called Be My Eyes. And they're going to be integrating the chat GPT. So if you're an individual with a visual impairment, that there was actually, it's, a, it's sort of like a volunteer service. And in the past, it would be on your iPhone or Android phone. And if you couldn't read the directions, or you couldn't read uh, maybe your prescription on your pill bottle, you know, you could call someone and then you'd put the pill bottle up to the phone and then they would, the sighted person would read the con, you know, what was the contents? Mm-hmm. So now with ChatGPT four, they're going to try to automate it virtually so that ChatGPT will be able to recognize whether it be the text or the object or the can or whatever, whatever it is. So yeah. it's be interesting yeah. to see how that works in a, in, a, in a sort of virtual and artificial intelligence sense. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's it's super cool. We've already seen some of that on the phone where even in a translated state, you can take right. the phone, hold it over something and on the screen, it translates it for yeah. you. Right. Or my, even um, Microsoft seeing AI is pretty incredible app where um, it will it'll probably get better. It can identify objects, even individuals, emotional state based on the, you know, facial, um, yeah. facial. No, face. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty interesting. There's some scary, you're feeling a little stressed today, Jim. Is there anything <laughs> I can get for you? <laughs> Jim? It's like, Hey, listen, it's like your watch, you know, that's, that measures your steps and your standing and some of those things right. during the day. I kind of wonder in the future, it'll be like your f- face was frowning 14 hours right. out of 16 today. And the science says, if you yeah. smile, right. <laughs> right, you're, you're better off. Brian in the chat room has a question for you. He says, any thoughts on a particular disability that he doesn't yet see supported with technology, but thinks that technology may be coming? So have you, are there, are, where are we missing today when we think about technology and disabilities, where are we missing that we still have an opportunity to, to bridge the gap? Do you think? Well, I think we're, we're, you know, with artificial intelligence and also more processing power. um, I mean, eye gaze technology is coming into its own. So that individuals with cerebral palsy or, you know, even ALS can utilize their eyes to control uh, the computer. So I think we're going to see even more advances in that. And also even with speech synthesis for individuals that um, have ALS that will lose their voice. Um, there are companies now that are beginning to basically create that individual's voice before they lose it so that when they're using AAC devices, they can, the AAC device will sound like them. So I think those are definitely um, some areas that we'll, we'll be seeing some some big, you know, developments in. Yeah. I, I, I wonder as I go back and listen to podcasts from 12 or 13 or 14 years ago, mm-hmm. my voice was a little higher back then. It's, it's a, you get older, it gets a little deeper, right? Yeah. So which voice do I want? Do I want 30-year-old Jim or 50-year-old Jim? You know, which voice will I pick? Yeah, and it, there's, also, there, there, there's also some well, research that's being done in the last 
probably 10, 15 years where um, they actually, you know, um, they've, I guess, surgically implanted um, like a port under the scalp. Because what happens is that individuals who are paralyzed, if they think of an action, they can actually, the brain will actually evoke a response. And so I'm sure that in some way they'll be able through, you know, microscopic kind of relays to be able, individual be able to think and those words will, will come up on the, um, you know, on the screen because they're basically evoking a neural response. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know if anybody wants to see what's going on inside of my head. That may not be good. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> That's scary. That's you know, scary. Cause like you're, you know, you'd be thinking about somebody and you're like, Oh, no, that should, that should that, never yeah, be public. That, that was a great, that was a great question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian, Brian says, thanks. Oh, wow. I never, uh, I, I didn't ever think about the mimicking of voices as a yeah. great way to help those uh, who may be losing them. I have a brother-in-law who has Parkinson's oh, okay. and, and you think about some of the technologies that's in some of the medications going into this. And I, and, mm-hmm. and I think, with all of those illnesses, with all of those things mm-hmm. that are coming, there may be some opportunities to, you know, in other words, I, I may, I, I may be able to use some technology if I, my hand is shaking right, to, to, to gimbal that, right. To gimbal. Yeah, and, they, and a number of companies have come out with, it's not my specialty, but, you know, OTs deal with that. Um, actual, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, spoons and knives that will counterbalance the, you know, the shakiness of the hand so that individual could, you know, eat independently is a number of tools that are out there um, that can do that. Yeah. No, I think there's some cool stuff. Anything, anything else that we might've missed as you're thinking about the future? I asked you that question earlier, but. The other other thing about, the other thing about voice is there are a number of companies that are working with individuals that have significant um, articulation difficulties um, like in, typically students with Down syndrome or individuals with cerebral palsy, and they're trying to build models so that speech recognition engines could understand so they can use speech recognition uh, effectively, um, not only with the computer, but, you know, using devices like, you know, Madam A that Amazon has so that, you know, individuals can, you know, uh, you know get the benefits of using those kinds of devices as well with yeah. their voice. These voice assistants have seemed to be stuck in a state that, like they grew really fast. Yeah. I don't know. And, and some of these companies thought they'd make more money off of them than they did. And so they've kind of, you know, fired some of the folks that were working on these areas. Do you think in the voice assistant area, we're going to see continued growth in that area? It seems like that technology's flatlined a little bit. I think maybe it's flatlined a little. I don't know what the next, you know, I mean, I thought Amazon's probably done really well with people ordering stuff and things of that sort, but uh, I don't think not as well as they were hoping. Yeah. I don't think so. They just laid off a bunch of those people. Like like every high tech company laid off 10,000 people. That was the magic number. I know that was the magic. That was the magic. Some amazing things with them. I think like most technologies, we see this growth in a plateau Mm -hmm. and then it gets operationalized. And then there's some disillusionment, right? The Gartner yeah. hype cycle. Yeah. There's the trough of dis- disillusionment. Yeah. And then uh, and then real new things come out of that, out of the trough. Some new technologies come about. So it be, be interesting to see what we have there in the future. I'm kind of, in some ways, I'm kind of sad I'm as old as I am. I've, I'd like to stay around a little longer. Just I know. to see what's still coming. I mean, I just think there's some 
hopefully there's some great stuff coming and we we survive all the crazy stuff that's going on long enough to see some of it yeah absolutely so, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's it's fine like i mean it's hard, you know when i started in this field like over 30 years ago it's hard to imagine how far we've come um even in, in the 30 years it's pretty amazing like when i started and the tools i was using and what i'm able to do today is just phenomenal yeah, it's phenomenal. crazy it's, it's crazy just, it's yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you just showed me the book. Boop, yeah. And it just starts. Re- I mean, the speed that used to be a long scan it in. Yeah. Wait for it to process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and literally you could be sitting there, boop, and then listen, turn the page, boop, then yeah. listen. Right. It's and, almost, you know, I mean, I mean, sometimes I almost feel like when I do these demos and they go really well, I feel like a magician, you know, like people are yeah. like, guys, like, how'd yeah. you do that? You know, so it, it yeah. is, it is quite, it is quite amazing. Brian, on the way out, I want to ask you this one question. What's sure. the most important app on your phone? If there's, if you were to tell me today on your cell phone, mm-hmm. the app you use the most, what what do you think that'd be? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, maybe the podcast app. It's, it's, it's YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> do you, do you watch a lot of YouTube on your phone? Yeah, I do. Do I you? Do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even, you know, I... You know, we just moved into the house. We in, we installed. Uh, we have two Nest thermostats, and I I passed by the one up here, up in up in the loft area, and it said change the battery. And I didn't know how to change the battery, so I went to YouTube and I said, you know, how do I change the battery? And because I wasn't sure if it was you know how to twist or pull out, you know, you didn't. And in, t- in in thirty seconds, I was able to. Oh, it just said just pull straight out, and I did, and I placed the battery, and it was up back in business. You know, so. I use YouTube a lot for, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. What if YouTube, now they have Bard, right? Is that the name of their, I think that's the name of their AI? Google. Google. Yeah, Google's AI. What if they began to feed all of that YouTube information into Bard and you could ask that question and then it would dynamically build a video for you based on. Yeah, that would be awesome. That's awesome. How crazy would that be? Like an, an AI avatar. We're already. I mean, when we think about video, we're already pretty good at creating that. Yes. And that thing could walk you, that video, that avatar could walk you through how yeah. to change the And, thing you know, with it. all the transcripts, it, it certainly would be, po- it would seem it would be possible, you know. It's, yeah. It would be possible. Yeah. And a little bit of feedback, it, you know, if it gave you some instructions and then in the yeah. end it said, hey, how'd that go? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it was fine. I got it. Did you get it done? Yeah. Then it would know. Okay. Those are good instructions, right? I should use those again. It's, it's a little scary. And I think it's a, it's, it's more helpful than it is scary. I think we're, we're, we're in some good places with that. I think we're a ways away from Skynet. So I think we're, I think, All right. we're, I think we're okay. Brian, thanks for uh, spending some time with me tonight. I always appreciate it. Any final thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, it's, I mean, it's really exciting time to, um, be living and, you know, again, if you, if you, you know, if you're working with students that have, um, disabilities, there's a wide range of solutions. Um, and if you don't know what they are, you know, seek someone out that has the experience because, uh, some of these have been really life changing for the students that I, that I've worked with, uh, yeah. it's made, made a real world of difference. And the thing is the students for many years, they just struggle. And if you can find the, the, the sweet spot for some of these tools, you know, it's going to make them less frustrated and just make them more engaged and more successful in, in what they choose to do. 
uh, last question, you know, we're, we right. live in, we live pr a pretty privileged life. Yes. And so we look at a $500 tool like this and kind right. of go, are there programs available and for folks who are underprivileged and need to take advantage of some of these things? What, what can they do or are there programs to help mm -hmm. in that area? Um, I mean, in the public schools, it would be the public school requirement if students needed some of these tools to um, provide them free of charge. Um, uh, second, you know, if you, once you go off to college, you're pretty much on your own. But each state has their own assistive technology um, uh, initiative. And some some of the centers do offer the ability to uh, to rent or to, um, you know, try at least trial some of the equipment before you go off and and and, and utilize it. And then right. some of the universities and colleges do let students, you know, they can loan the equipment for the semester mm -hmm. and sometimes for a very low, you know. A low low fee. So yeah, well. I I think about somebody early on who mentioned you know for some students who maybe have reading disabilities, going to college is a very frightening thing yes. for them, yeah. right? And I think sometimes too, if you have these disabilities that require technology, going yes, the school may be helping out with tuition, or you, you right. the state might be helping out with tuition, but it doesn't always set aside those funds necessary for some right, of these, right. these and special even, programs. And even for, you know, even if you're in high school or college, you can look, um, Bookshare is a free service. It's supported by tax dollars. Um, and then there's Learning Ally, which is actually based in Princeton, New Jersey, which is a fairly inexpensive um, service that can provide human narrated um, audio books. Uh, and college students can access them too for a small, a, a small fee. So, you know, there's lots of ways to kind of jump yeah, in, yeah. You, you know, sometimes you can't jump in at the top, but there, you know, you can find tools. And, you know, the, the other part, too, is uh, eBay is a wonderful place to find last year's generation that you can get at a significant discount. And mm -hmm. I've done that, too, you know, whether it's buying, you know, um, digital audio recorder or, or even technology. I mean, you can yeah. find some, you know, some stuff and, you know. At least, you know, eBay is going to stand behind it and you'll get your money back if there's an issue. But you yeah. can you can find a lot of, you know, devices that are in pretty good shape, um, you know, or even refurbished if you had to um, with with warranties. Well, I think about I hadn't thought about this before, but I think about us listeners mm -hmm. for those listening right now. Oftentimes we're in a we're in some situations where we know all this stuff like right. we hear it here. Uh, this has been a very informative hour uh, spending yeah. with you, but we get the opportunity, you know, for me, I may, as I think about friends who are graduating from high school of having a conversation with saying, Hey, like, I know you're going to college, but do you have all the tools and the military, you know, all the materials right. and equipment to be able to get through this mm -hmm. and then maybe start having some of those conversations to say like, look, you got to, if you're struggling, you got to get to this early. Cause yeah, it, you're spending a lot of money on this thing. Yeah. And, and it's, it's unfortunate because I've seen a lot of bright students who didn't have the tools. Um, right. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, have a terrible freshman year, you know, and, right. uh, so I mean, lose a scholarship, right. right. Get frustrated, leave yeah. it, quit, quit school. I mean, right. I think all of a sudden a $500 or a $2,000 screen reader for a very expensive education may all of a sudden, you know, you start thinking, well, maybe that's, maybe that's worth it after all. Right. Yeah. And you know, you know, you have, I mean, if, if anyone's listening, it has a student going off to college with a disability and you know, they're going to need accommodation plan between now 
and September would be a great time to begin to go back to your school, talk about the tools, or at least find out what tools the college has um, that they can provide so that you can begin, that student can begin to start working and, and, and really kicking the tires and learning the ins and outs and how to use that tool would be really important, really important. Uh, Brian, if folks had questions and they wanted to run those by you or they just wanted to thank you personally, is there a way, what's the best way to, uh, to dialogue with you on social that um, you're the most comfortable with? So uh, they, um, you can email me at brian at assistivetech.com, B-R-I-A-N at A-S-S-I-S-T-I-V-E-T-E-K.com. All right. And so those emails will come flooding in. You might want to get Oh, yeah. I know that. I at least, I hope at least 10,000, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. If you get 10,000, let me know. That would be 9,992 more listeners than I thought I had. So, anyways, Brian, thanks for coming on. Can you hang around for just a second as I wrap this up? Is that okay? A couple of reminders on your way out. One, we want to thank, of course, Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. Of course, you know that's Christian. Uh, Check it out today. He's still got plans if you need hosting or uh, for any reason, if if you need that. MapleGrovePartners.com. His plans start as little as $10 a month. Great way to get a, a website started. You can contact the show, send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv, or find me on Twitter. Although I think most people have left Twitter, but at Jay Collison, I'll get you there as well. And find us in the Discord groups, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. Thanks for coming out tonight for those listening live. If you're listening to the recorded podcast, we'd love to have you on Thursday nights, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern theaverageguy.tv slash live. I remind you if you're part of the Discord group, love to have you as part of the conversation. Brian, Justin, Joe, Jay, and Ken all checking in tonight in the chat, whoever else. There are a few others I didn't hear from you, but thanks for coming out. But we'd love to have you in the chat. So join us on Thursday night and uh, we'd love to have you. Come out here. Like I said, we're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, at theaverageguy.tv slash live. Thanks for coming out. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.